welcome back and thanks for tuning in to Oil & Gas Onshore, where I am on a relentless pursuit to bring value, unity, and information to the energy industry one conversation at a time. So sit back, relax, and remember that even this very device you're listening on requires some form of hydrocarbon. And look, I know I'm switching it up, but bear with me. This episode is brought to you by Anderson Hauser which they are the leading supplier of measurement instrumentation with a full offering of process solutions for flow, level, pressure, analytics, temperature, recording, and digital communications, and much more. Their excellence lies within their localized USA manufacturing and expansive representative network for product and application expertise in your local area. Learn more about Anderson Hauser at us.andres.com. The link will be in the show notes. Welcome to this week's episode. I'm here at the Houston Cannon for round two with Petra Reyes, Emerging Markets Manager at Power Infrastructure Partners, aka Petra Petro, aka Call Petra for all things Petro. Petra, how are you doing today? And thanks for coming on to the show. I'm wonderful. Happy to be here in Houston. Excellent. I'm happy that you're here in Houston and you were here not too long ago, right? Yeah, I frequent to Houston. I was here for a conference, Thrive, yeah. a couple of weeks ago, which How was, was a hit. Yeah, it was very well focused. Okay. And I love that it was at the Minute Maid Park. Yeah. Because I just love baseball. Okay. So I got to bat. You did? Yeah, I okay. made contact. I didn't hit it out of the park this time. Oh, you can't hit home runs every time. I know, I know. All right, because then it gives other people, like the normal people, a chance to, like, give it a shot. Because if you're just hitting home runs every time, then people think you're like an unusual being and they can't, you know, like it's hard to relate to I someone who hits home runs. there. I don't yeah. want to make them feel bad, you know? No. Okay. Here's something that I want to say. As someone who's been in sales for as long as I have, when you first get going, I was like, oh, make sure you let the customer beat you. You know, that way you're not, you know, making them feel bad. No, no customers want to hang out with losers. I like to win <laughs> every time. Therefore, then they're like, hey, I'm hanging out with a winner. Not only is this gentleman selling me things, he's a winner. So, no, I think you should hit home runs every time. Okay, Don't worry about it. your customers because they want to be like you. Okay, so next time I will hit them out of the park. <laughs> That's right. Writing that one down. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. Notes from uh, the podcast. Thanks for coming on the show. You obviously have a few names that you like to go by. Which one do you prefer the most? Petra. Just Petra? Know, yeah, Petra like petroleum. Petra like petroleum. It would be then Petro-like petroleum, but I like the play on the words. Well, I'm a girl, so it's going to be Petra. (laughs) Petra. 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 So you're obviously busy. You know, you mentioned you were traveling. Before you were talking about you go to all the major energy cities, which is so cool. But what brings you to Houston this time? Anything specific? Just a lot of meetings. It's one of my best friend's birthdays as well. Happy birthday. Yeah, Ashley, happy birthday. Yeah. The end of the rodeo as well. I caught like the first day the cook-off and then I haven't been back since but here I am at the very end of it and I happen to snag a couple of tickets so I'm gonna wrap up the weekend with that that sounds like fun and do you love the rodeo I mean you're wearing your cowboy boots and you already have (laughs) an outfit picked out that you described to me in detail which sounds pretty (laughs) awesome so you're a frequent rodeoer yeah I mean there's always something going on in West Texas of the sorts and getting to go this is my first time going to the Houston rodeo. Really? Yeah. So wow. I'm really excited it's to a big see deal. a bigger rodeo than the San <laughs> Monahan Sand Hills rodeo. Right? No shade on that though, because those are always fun. You know, they're okay. low key, homegrown kind of things. Yeah. I think it's really cool to see these big headliners performances too. So yeah. I'm, I'm excited. Who are you going to see anyone 
specific? Coworker of mine got some tickets to Marshmallow tonight. Oh. Yeah. So after Ashley's birthday, we're going to go there. Nice. Yeah. I have an interesting story about Marshmallow, which I'll tell you after the podcast <laughs> when I was in Vegas. Um, anyway. Yeah. Sorry. It'll episode. Be- <laughs> you don't get this. <laughs> no. If, story. if you ever get to see Vegas? me in person, then we can discuss it. But I'm definitely not sharing my experience with Marshmallow on the podcast. Anyway, that'll be fun. Marshmallow's great. I've listened to him for a long time. His last album was awesome. I like that type of music myself. So I'm slightly envious, but hopefully you have a good time. It's, it's going to be a blast. I can't wait. Yeah, actually, so I saw Chainsmokers at the rodeo a few years ago, and I love Chainsmokers, but <laughs> it was so funny because in my mind, I thought I was going to a Chainsmokers concert where there's going to be a lot of like like individuals. Yeah, It was definitely not folks that I would expect to go to a Chainsmokers concert. But it was a good time. So while I wanted to like, you know, jump around and have fun and like get down, there were not so many people doing that. bracelets. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Player. Yeah. (laughs) But no, it's cool. The rodeo is awesome. And I encourage you, if you ever get the opportunity to go to the Calgary Stampede, we have a great rodeo up there. Yeah, I would love to. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, you definitely should. And hopefully with the whole pandemic and all this stuff, hopefully things start to wind down. We're traveling is a little bit easier because right now getting to Canada is a bit of a pain. But maybe in the future, you can check out the Calgary Stampede. It's a great time. And it's all downtown. All the oil and gas companies basically shut down and just party and throw down. It's an absolute blast. So we've known each other not for too long, actually. We met, I think, at the Oil and Gatsby Christmas party. Christmas party, yeah. yeah. It was towards the end. Things were shutting down. And you were snapping pictures and just, you know, meeting and greeting and having a good time. And- well, and I had seen you around, like, all of the other events. And I know Mark yeah. from Social Octane. And I knew you were friends yeah. with all those people. And I was just trying to get as many pictures because I, I always have such a good time I forget to take pics. Right. So I was like, hey, come take a picture with me because I knew who you were. But Yeah. And thanks for that, for not being like, no, I don't know you. <laughs> no, I would like, it's. I would find it like I'm honored when someone, like if I see someone at the airport or anywhere, it's like, hey, you're so-and-so. And most of the time it's kind of like, oh, you're that guy on LinkedIn. And so I'm super honored. And like, I think it's all about other people. Like I don't like spotlight, but I appreciate you asking for a picture because it like super, it made me feel good. But yeah, so the one thing about Oil and Gatsby that like I will never forget, and I know this sounds really funny, but is the sinks in the bathroom. Did you remember, did you yeah, ever wash your hands and then someone else's hand would from the other end? It was would, like the boys. <laughs> yeah, that was very odd. And so for the listeners, you're probably wondering, what in the world are you talking about? So we were at this event. It was a Christmas oil field event. And where you wash your hands, the male bathrooms and the female bathrooms were connected, but only through the hand washing, the sinks. And so when you were washing your hands, if someone was washing their hands and they put their hands in there further, you could like. feel other people's hands it was the weirdest thing i've ever experienced the astoria right yeah Yeah. that's where it was exactly so upstairs in that yeah so if you're ever there and you're washing your hands and you want to have a good laugh start tickling people's hands on the other side and you'll (laughs) get some good screams and maybe some laughs along the way but either way it was a great event big shout out to social octane mark larue madison everyone over there they always do such a great job next year i think they're going to get the rooftop and they're going to try and double the venue size and they've got golf games coming up. I'm not going to be able to go to the one in Midland because I'll be, bad. I know I'm excited. And the one here, I'm going to be gone. Mark, That's if you're fun. listening, you're probably not because you're a busy man. Can you please not do it during spring break and like yeah. this time of the year? Spread it out a little bit. I'm going to try and go to the one in Oklahoma City. But I'm really bummed because it's like every hole has a game and there's crazy prizes. Like I think there's like little, like a dirt bike one prize and then the AR-15. What? Oh I yeah. hurry up and sign up. Yeah. I'm volunteering at the one in Midland. 
Oh, you might be able to play the game. It's going to be so fun. Yeah. I got a couple of other industry people to volunteer too, so. Good. And that's a thing, like events, I personally can't speak from experience, but knowing, you know, like OGGN, Digital Wildcatters, Mark over at Social Octane, anyone who hosts events say it's like months and months worth of blood, sweat, and tears for like a few hours of fun. So for anyone out there who's even remotely interested in volunteering, always reach out and try and volunteer because these events take a lot of work, a lot of effort, a lot of money. And it's really ultimately to give back to the energy industry, which, you know, again, we need more than anything right now. And by volunteering, you're honestly doing yourself a service as well. For sure. Because you get in and you're going to be networking and you're going to meet people and they're going to ask you to come back, you know, and there's nothing better than getting a call back. Mm-hmm. No, it is. And, you know, so Petra, you're big on networking. Obviously, you create content on social media and you like to get out there. For you, why is networking important? Like if someone's sort of new to the industry, because obviously right now things are busy, people are getting hired. Why would you get out and network if you could? You know, there's one thing when you're knocking on doors trying to sell something and they don't know who you are. But knowing someone that knows someone that knows someone is wonderful. There's been times that I've knocked on the same door for a year and they don't respond. Mm -hmm. But because I reached out to their cousin's best friend right? and they're like, oh, I know so-and-so over there. I'll tell him to answer your call. And before I know it, he's finally calling me back and giving me a chance. And that's all you can ever ask for. I hate to beat it like a dead horse, but it's not what you know. It's who you know. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of dying in other industries. I think that Sales aren't what they were in other things, but in oil and gas, it's who you know, 100%. And then it comes with what you know. Right. No, that's so true. I mean, they always say your net worth is your network. And there's all these like little sayings, but ultimately every major opportunity that I've had has been through either someone that's worked with me or has went to school with me or has experienced being around me, whether it's in like a professional environment or not. Yeah, it's really like... It's interesting because a lot of people talk about like building your brand, right? Like building brand is is extremely important, whether it's individual brand, whether it's your company's brand. But I oftentimes like to replace the word brand for reputation. If you can build a reputation amongst, you know, your community, your network and everything else. Yeah, just, you know, great opportunities come your way. And, And it's not for everyone. Networking is tough for people. And you said brand, you know, we can tell our friends and our network a million times what we do. But how many times have you seen something or heard something like for example, I, I can source transformers. That's one of the things that we do. Okay. And I tell people, you know, anything electrical you'd ever need, you know, let me know. Oil and gas electrical infrastructure, or we also buy and sell power. Okay. Well, I've had someone say, oh man, I couldn't find a transformer, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, hello, I do that. And they're like, oh, well, I thought you just built substations. I'm like, substations are they need transformers. So we can source those for mm-hmm. you. And it's just like, oh, how do you not know this? It's all I ever talk about. <laughs> so by networking and getting your constant brand recognition, you're doing yourself a service by reminding people what you do because people will forget. It doesn't right. matter how passionate you are, you're aware, but mm. you have to remind people. Yeah, That's why I get out there and, and do the social media things because everybody can use a reminder because when you don't think of it, you know, then oh, I wish I would have gone through you to do this. You know, right. I was trying to sell a house and I forgot that your sister is a realtor. I bet she would have like got given me such a better rate than the other guy that I don't even know. Right. You know, so it, unfortunately people forget and you have to just keep reminding them and 
be obnoxious about it. Yeah, no, that's so true. And I think it comes down to maintaining relevancy, right? Like if you're not creating content or building brand or reputation, you slowly become irrelevant. And if you're not, you know, if you're not in front of where the attention is, i.e. LinkedIn, TikTok, Instagram, you know, whatever the case is, whatever your sort of medium is, yeah, people start to forget who you are. And it's with how much information and how much stuff is constantly being pumped in front of us. It's like, you got to be there, like you said, and be obnoxious about it. And as long as the intent is selfless, like as long as you're doing it from a good place, then I think people will respect it as long as you're maintaining like a really good sense of being genuine. Because there's obviously people out there who don't. And I think one of the guys- Don't be a cheesy car salesman. Yeah, right. No one likes a used car salesman. And that's, yeah, again, sales. And like you said, you know, other industries I think are still big. I think relationships are important in other industries, but I would argue that oil and gas, the way we buy and sell services, products, a lot of it is primarily driven on relationships. And then I know there's a few people trying to disrupt that place, but I don't know if that'll necessarily ever go away. So yeah, do the right thing, network. And because I've gone through a few (laughs) down cycles now, but the people you meet on the way up are the same people you meet on the way down and vice versa. So don't ever burn bridges too. It's a small industry. <laughs> don't I know it. <laughs> right. You know, starting out when I was only 19, I had to learn a lot of lessons the hard way. Mm. So I'm definitely a firm believer in don't burn those bridges because our community, our industry is a whole lot smaller than we think. Right. No, that's so true. And people like to talk. You know, it's funny because I worked in, on rigs for a long time and people always said, oh, you know, on the rig, it's like junior high. You say one thing to one person and oh, don't tell somebody. But then you know, within a couple hours, the entire rig crew knows about it. So it's the same thing, whether it's, you know, you're on your rig, whether it's at your company or that's one anything. way to get a message out. Tell them it's a secret. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. Yeah. Hey, so-and-so told me not to tell anybody, but I'm going to tell you. So, so don't, don't tell, tell anybody. Anyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's spread like West Texas wildfire. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. So anyway, as we move on here, I want to kind of start off by asking you, you know, it, and this can be personal business, anything professionally, whatever, but what is the one thing that fires you up the most? Like when you get up in the morning, like what really gets you going? You know, our industry has had like a little bit of a cloud over it for a long time. Mm-hmm. Not even a little, like it's a whole overcast. Right. And it doesn't want to go away. I think in this, not trying to sound cheesy in any way, but providing power to the world and energy to the world is what gets me going. And I think educating the world, I think there's, I've got like, sure, I want to build substations and sell power and improve water logistics. But at the end of the day, what we're doing every single day is helping a bigger picture. It's a much bigger picture. Mm -hmm. So what I'm just trying to like piece it together. I get up in the morning and I think about if I don't do it, who's going to do it? Mm. And there's just so much to be done, so much educating. Right. I wake up and I think one day everyone, something's going to change. The I, the narrative about our industry is going to change and that's what I'm working on. Wow. And through electrification and improving logistics, I think we can do that. The, the big transition that our industry is going through is improving the way we consume power to produce energy, which goes hand in hand with pump jack power and power infrastructure mm-hmm. partners okay. and then logistics because there's a whole lot of trucking when it comes to energy and i also want to improve that as well so just moving the industry forward and helping the world understand that we need it carbon is our friend right so 
yeah, I get up because I know that there are people still sitting in the dark. Yeah, no, that's so true. And, you know, it's interesting when you put it that way, there's more people than not who don't have access to like reliable energy, affordable energy. And again, you know, a lot of the conversation that like we're just having right now talking about energy and providing it for like, we always, I find that people in oil and gas love preaching to the choir, but in order for us to make change, we have to come at it with a sense of, and Chuck Yates actually made a Twitter post about this is like, we can't constantly be like beating our chest and putting down other forms of energy or anything else. But it's like, we have to come at it with kindness, with a level of empathy, like try to put ourselves in other people's shoes who, you know, do sort of maybe build the cloud on top of us. But yeah, ultimately, I think it requires all forms of energy. And a lot of it is educating because a lot of people, most people than not take their headline readers that take a little bit of what they know, and then they apply it to like very complex systems, energy being one of them, no one is an expert in energy, because the energy is like, you know, there's, again, there's like millions of forms of energy. And whether you're talking about oil and gas, whether you're talking about renewables, whether you're talking about, I mean, it could be nuclear, it could be anything. But ultimately, I think you're right is educating is extremely important. And so my question for you is, like, where do you find the most ROI when you're educating? Like, is it through doing it through social media? Or is it through like traveling to places who or where maybe people aren't familiar with it and speaking? Or like, how do you suppose we because we can educate to ourselves, going to oil and gas events and educating people, but does that really move the needle? So like, and again, you may or may not have an answer, but that's kind of in my mind when we talk about like educating people, it's like, how do we educate people who otherwise don't appreciate what say oil and gas does for the world? So in Midland, I went to the AADE operator forum, 10 major operators sat on a panel and they were each given like a list of questions that they had ahead of time and their shareholders told them what they could and couldn't say. Right. And one in particular, last name was Spears. He's from Oklahoma city. He's a finance. Richard Spears. Richard Spears. Yeah. Yeah. He said, you know, I know a lot of you know what we're doing. And like you said, we preach to the choir. He's like, I'm not about to preach to the choir, but I want to tell you guys something. You know, a lot of us go on vacations. People ask, you know, you're on a ski lift. You're sitting next to someone. And they ask, well, what do you do? And sometimes you don't really want to tell people, I work in oil and gas, you know, because then they're like, oh, you know, this vibe changes sometimes depending on what state you're in. And he said, what you should tell people is I provide affordable energy to people in poverty. And then they say, well, what's that? And like, I work in oil and gas, you know, and then it sparks another question. They're like, oh, you know, it it is, it's cheap. He said something along the lines, I provide cheap energy to people. I bring cheap energy to the world. I love that. Yeah. And you know, then you have to elaborate on that. And then they're like, oh, well, you know, and it's kind of hard to be combative after that. Right. When you come from a place of like kindness and helping others. Yeah. Yeah. People wouldn't then just, oh, you know, because if you say, well, like, yeah, killing right. the world, yeah. but they're still ordering Amazon packages. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, I have an interesting story on that. So when I went from Calgary to the Marcellus Shale in 2010, I went from Calgary to Pittsburgh. And that was when the Marcellus Shale was kicking off and, you know, it was the Bichelle Revolution. And a lot of folks, whether it was, you know, restaurant waiters or waitresses, because I lived there, obviously, you went, you know, I went to the barbershop and just had interactions with locals. And, you know, first I went there and I talked funny. So right away, like, oh, where are you from? And what do you do? And for the longest time, I tried to hide what I did because, you know, sort of like fear of judgment or, you know, they would kind of 
you know, they would speak in a tone that's like, oh, well, you shouldn't be here and, oh, you're killing everyone. So, or, well, like the environment and stuff like that. But what I found was once I got comfortable talking about it and approaching it in a certain way, there would gave me an opportunity to educate. And I remember sitting and getting a haircut and, you know, start talking, well, where are you from? What do you do? This and that. And so I'd say, oh, I'm in energy. And, oh, what kind of energy? Like, do you work for, you know, like the local gas utility company or something? No, 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 like oil and gas. And then they say, oh, you're a fracker. Oh, do you work for EQT? Or do you work for like these major companies that do fracking? And so I was like, no, I actually work for a drilling fluids company and would educate them. And they would say, oh, well, you know, aren't you like, why is everyone here trying to come take our jobs? And I was like, well, it doesn't really work like that, but let me explain. And so once I explained, like, I don't want to forever live in Pennsylvania, but by me coming here, I'm spending money and, you know, therefore your company is going to thrive because of people like me coming here working. We're going to train your people that otherwise may not have good paying jobs to where then we can go back home. Because I can guarantee you someone from, you know, Houston, Texas doesn't want to go live in Pittsburgh. Maybe some do, but for the most part, a lot of the rig hands and a lot of the folks that came to Pennsylvania wanted to go back to where they were from, but they had to go there because that's where the work was. Now, there's a lot of local representatives who work in the Marcellus Shale that aren't all from whether Canada or Oklahoma, Texas, Louisiana, Midland. Midland. Yeah, right? So again, when it kind of to supplement your point is educating people whenever you're traveling or doing things and don't be ashamed, but make sure it comes from a good place instead of saying, you know, coming at it. You wouldn't in a be able to order way. your Amazon packages if I didn't go to work every day, kind of. Thing. <laughs> yeah. And it's hard sometimes to come from a good place, especially if they like start out kind of in a bad narrative. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's another thing. Man, energy will take you to the most far places in the world. I mean, yeah. some of these rig hands, you know, 18 year old, and you get to go to Oman. Right. You know, and it's otherwise you would have never gone. I know a lot of guys that have been in the most exotic places in the world. And then they're from Odessa, Texas. Right. You know, it's like, they're so cultured and they've seen so much more than sometimes a doctor would have, you know, that had to pay for an expensive trip to go somewhere and live that life and see those things. Yeah. But instead, you know, you were just doing your job. Mm -hmm. No, that's so true. It definitely provides opportunity for travel. And yeah, because I mean, energy is all over the world, right? So you pick a place on the map and there's a chance that you could probably go work there somehow. So otherwise, you know, some people think, you know, I have to go to college and get a really good job. And so I can see the world one day. But yeah, you know, sometimes you don't have to have a degree at all. You right. Know? And energy will take you so far. Mm-hmm. I tell people that all the time. They're kind of lost. I don't know what to do. I tell young men all the time, go get your CDL, man. Yeah. You can be a millionaire in 10 years. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, especially with the way things are going and the demand for yeah truck drivers, everything right now is crazy. The demand will continue to be there. So I want to shift gears a little bit. I want to ask you, Petra. If you had the ideal Friday night and you had all the money in the world, meaning you could go anywhere, do anything, what would that ideal Friday night look like? I know you're busy traveling and you're a busy lady working, but if you had one night to just kick back and do whatever it is that you wanted to, what would that be? Oh, man, you shouldn't have asked me that because if I had all the money in the world, I would buy a seat on the Blue Origin. Okay, go to space? Yes. I want to go, man. <laughs> I just want to see the blueberry. <laughs> You're the only person that I've ever met that's come out and said that because, and I find that that's great because the very first dream that I ever remember having as a child, obviously, was me going into outer space and looking out of a rocket ship down at Earth for some reason, I don't know why. And since then, I've been infatuated with trying to get to space. So yeah, I love that answer. And so I think that's, while I don't think it's going to happen anytime, like within the next year or two, but I think in your lifetime, for sure, you'll be able to go look at the blueberry. Hey, Michael Strahan. 
Okay. If he can go to space, then I should be able to go to space. Right. He's a football player. He's not an astronaut. Right. No, I'm surely you could do it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing your experience when you go into outer space, Petra. And hope, I mean, you never know. It might happen sooner than you think. Sure. I mean, <laughs> when you say that money's not an obstacle and I can do whatever I want, then that's what that I would, would be want the ideal to do. Friday yeah, night, floating around in space, eating Skittles. Egypt, I can do any of those things. You know, right. it's just buying a ticket. But right. that's, I want something that's like unattainable for me. <laughs> right? It's not unattainable. If, well, right now it might be. Even if I had all the money in the world, I still couldn't necessarily buy a seat right now. Like you have to like qualify it. There's like a lottery or like a raffle or some sort. Like, yeah, I mean, or I would just have to build my own like (laughs) Elon or something. Build your own spaceship. (laughs) Just put me in a little capsule and put me in a little slingshot. Shoot shoot you straight into that black hole, like Matthew McConaughey. So, if anyone's listening and they have a connection or some way to help Petra get to outer space, we're starting a mission. Hashtag Get Petra to outer space or something. I'll start a GoFundMe. We got you, Petra. Oh, that's awesome. So where are you from originally? I'm from Midland. From Atlantis. Okay. Midland, Texas. Heaven in the South. Right. Or just heaven, whatever you want to call it. Okay. So what is the biggest misconception about Midland that people have, you think? That there's nothing to do. Okay. So there is lots to do. Oh, my gosh. There's so much to do. There's so much in that it's not pretty out there. Okay. You know, everything's perspective. Right. But there's a lot of beauty in the desolation out there. What do you love about it the most? What do I love about Midland the most? Yeah. The opportunity. Mm. There's endless opportunity there. The water towers say, feel the energy. And it's true. There's so many different forms of energy out there. Mm -hmm. And the best one is the human energy. Right. There's something in the water out there that really inspires people there's some incredible people that are from out there and it's not even just locals i mean people that travel there for work or they're there temporarily or anybody that has anything to do with that area contributes to what makes that city so great Mm -hmm. whenever you're there the people it's almost like this family feel right although it's you know obviously it's big relatively speaking like it's not just like a 2000 person town or whatever like it's fairly big and you have odessa and like some surrounding maybe little not cities but surrounding areas within midland but it's just this really tight-knit community feel and the people make it what it is there's everyone's always so friendly and a lot of people that i know that have moved there like were kicking and screaming to go there but then years later when they had to leave they were kicking and screaming wanting to stay you know it's really interesting it's true yeah yeah it's It's just you know home is where you make it for sure. Yeah. So, and in college, I had a teacher tell us once that always remember that there is no better city than the city that you're in. Right. And that really stuck with me. So true. Because if you're constantly like, oh, I want to be in Dallas. I want to be in Dallas. I know I don't want to live here. Then you're going to get to Dallas. You're going to want to go somewhere else. Right. You know, so make the best of where you're at and who knows where else, where that will take you. Right. No, that's so cool. So did you go to college in Midland too? I did. I went to Midland College and then I went, I graduated from UT Permian Basin. Excellent. Yeah. Business marketing and energy business. Okay. So what made you decide to do that? You know, actually when I first started going to school, I wanted to go to law school and, but oil was crazy at the time. It was early 2011 and I didn't really have a choice. You know, cost of living was so high. And I realized that I needed to get a job in oil and gas to be able to afford to live in that city. I mean, I'm sure I've got tons of family there, but I was just so determined to be independent. Mm. 
So of course I bartended and did miscellaneous jobs, but I saw early on that I needed better income and I not talking down bartending, but I needed something different for me. Yeah. And luckily enough, a sales rep taught me how, well, actually he assigned me his invoices. I would run around his paperwork for him and get signatures. Oh, wow. And then I started doing that for a couple of different companies and I put myself through school doing that. Good for you. Yeah. Okay. And so what would you say is the biggest lesson learned from that experience? Not everyone's going to be super nice. And just because I've got long hair and a smile does not mean that I'm going to get in every single door or everyone's always going to be super kind, especially if I've got, and who's going to really want to see somebody with a bill? You know, I had an invoice or something went wrong on the job and they shouldn't have had to pay for it. You know, I had to be the messenger a lot of the time. The first lesson I learned is beauty can open every single door. There is not a door that I couldn't open. Keeping it open was different. Mm. And I realized that I needed to be prepared before I went in those rooms. Even if it was just for a signature on an invoice, I needed to understand what went down with that. Yeah. You know, just being prepared. Yeah. No, that's a powerful message. So growing up in Midland and you went to college, but were your parents originally from there too? Or Yeah. My mother was born in Big Lake. Oh, yeah. Which is a little bit southeast of Midland. And then my father was born and raised in Midland. Wow. Yeah. My mother's father is full Puerto Rican, and my grandmother's Mexican Native American. Ah. And they met in San Angelo, Texas, when my grandfather was in the Air Force, and my grandmother was a waitress in no San Angelo. Yeah. What? So that's why there's a random Puerto Rican in West Texas. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's cool. And like I said, my dad, born and raised, if there, you know a Reyes in Midland, there's a 99% chance that we're related. No way. Yeah, there's, I mean, this, our family reunion had over a thousand people. What? Yeah, it's intense. So any Reyes, I promise we're related. Okay. If you're from Midland. If you're from Midland with Reyes, reach mm-hmm. out to Petra, you're probably cousins. Yeah, for real. Like <laughs> I told one of my cousins that was running for a political office, I said, hey, you should have told the family. You probably would have won. Like, <laughs> just vote for Reyes. Right. You know, and like, we would show up. But, you know, unfortunately, he didn't win. Hopefully the next time someone that's related to us, yeah. we like get the message out. But yeah, we like filled a whole church no for way. our reunion. Yeah. The nice. entire church. And it's because my great grandfather had six brothers and one sister. So, and then everybody oh, wow. had boys. My dad has three boys, you know, and one girl. It's typically like the Reyes families all have like a bunch of boys and like one girl. It's just how it's So the women out. of the family must be tough. Like extremely tough. <laughs> yeah. Surrounded by a bunch of West Texas boys. Oh, yeah. Jeez. So what did your dad do? Was he in oil and gas or what did he you do? You know, he wasn't. Okay. Um, so you're first generation. I am. What? Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's funny because my name's Petra. Right. Like petroleum. I'm the fifth one in my family. It's on my mother's side. I come from a long line of Petras. Oh. Okay. Yeah. And my dad is a Marine. Okay. And he retired and now he's a nurse. Mm. And my mom's my mom. She was a Mary Kay woman for a long time. That's how I learned how to cold call, how to knock on doors with a smile. Nice. And just be brave and pitch your pitch. I learned how to like quickly get across a message at a very young age. Super Um, good skill to have. Yeah. And so, and then my dad is very self-disciplined 
as well. You know, being raised by a Marine, I, I learned a lot about like getting up and wake, making your bed, pulling up your bootstraps, like all those things. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Nice, good mix. Yeah. No kidding. So aside from making your bed and pulling up your bootstraps, what's the one thing that your father taught you that really sticks out or has like built a foundation for you? Wow. I loved car rides in the mornings. So my dad would always take us to school in the morning and on his way to work. And he would always have like some kind of lecture or he'd be talking about a dream. Like it's really cool. Wow. But one thing that I liked, there's just like so many different things. I wish I could say them all. I think being aware of your surroundings, like was a big one. He would say like always know where the exit is. Huh. Like physically knowing where the yeah, exit is. Always in a room. know where, how to get out of a room or a building. Wow. It's not, he's not just like a paranoid dude, but sure. And he knew I was really small too. So he always wanted me to always have like, be aware of my surroundings because at that time, you know, we were, we lived in Wisconsin for a long time. So we're all from Midland, mm -hmm. but being up there in a new place and we were the only Mexicans for like a hundred mile radius. So he was just always telling us just to always be aware, you know, early nineties, yeah. we were still evolving as a country when it comes to accepting different people and especially in a very rural area in Wisconsin. But yeah, just like being just awareness. Yeah. I think just being this is like the best thing my dad ever taught me was, yeah. And then prepared. I talk about that in what I learned from the industry is like being prepared to walk in that room and don't think that your smile is all that you need. Mm -hmm. I think that my dad always, he didn't treat me like the princess. I mean, of course he did. You know, my brothers took care of me and carried me everywhere, but he also expected me if they can do it, I can do it too. Mm. So yeah, just kind of being strong, like just be strong and hold your own kind of message is generally what I learned from my dad. Is That's awesome. The world owes you nothing. Right. I love that. Mm -hmm. You know, just earn it. You know, I'm a big time, nothing's going to be handed to me kind of person. No. And I think as a woman and as a father to a woman, a young girl right now, those words speak very loud to me. So I appreciate you sharing that. It's super powerful, especially, you know, it, I mean, being a lady in the oil and gas energy industry, I think those are extremely important values and sort of, I guess, skills or approaches to have, because I think there's a lot of people in oil and gas. So when I was in Denver, and again, no harm, no foul, or not to say bad about anybody, but there's a lot of folks that would get into oil and gas sales and felt that because of the way they looked that they could sell product. And that's a really short term, I guess, way of thinking, because it's not sustainable. And so I think what you're speaking on probably is a big contributing factor to your success and continued success that you will have. So that's really neat. Yeah. Big shout out to your father who's a Marine. So and thanks mom, for his service. Yeah. And my mom also told me, ask questions. Stay Don't curious. be afraid to ask questions because it one shows you're listening mm -hmm. and there's always something that you can learn. There's always, you don't know everything. And I think that's helped me out the most in sales too, because a lot of times we walk in the door and we tell them all about ourselves and what we sell and what we have. And we open our trench coat and what do you want? <laughs> we fill out a PO now. And uh, I love that. <laughs> open they, trip. before they even get a word out, you know, the customer might not even, they don't need what you have, mm -hmm. but if they give them a chance to tell you what they need, you might be able to connect them to what you're selling or somebody else that's in your circle. Right. So ask questions and, Hold your own. Yeah. No, I love that. 
So tell us a little bit more about what you're doing now in the emerging market sector. So you're with Power Infrastructures Partners. Yeah, tell us a little bit. So your role there is emerging markets manager, right? Yeah. Okay, so before you answer that, for the listeners who may not know, what does emerging markets mean? So Power Infrastructure Partners is an EPC, stands okay. for Engineering, Procurement, and Construction. So we piece together, we turn key huge electrical infrastructure projects. Ah, okay. And being an emerging markets manager means that I have the ability to be a utility player. I can fill in the cracks of a lot of different things that we need for our business. So, of course, I'm business development. Sometimes I'm marketing. Sometimes I'm in operations. I'm visiting projects. We do an annual tournament every year, so I help with that and encourage other sponsors to join us. And okay. I look for different things that we can do to assist our industry and that's emerging markets, you know, different markets that we can fit in. But of course, it's electrically focused. Mm. But that just gives me the ability to plug in where we need to, no pun intended. Yeah, <laughs> no, I love that. Okay. So with the infrastructure and access to power in West Texas, let's just focus on West Texas for now. Sure. But is that, I mean, with the amount of activity that's there is there enough supply or is there still like a lot of infrastructure that needs to be put in place? Cause right now a lot of people are trying to electrify a lot of different operations, right? So are we up to speed on all that? Like, and I say we as an industry, or do you feel like there's a lot of work to be done still in that industry? Sure. There's always room for improvement. Infrastructure is not where it needs to be. I would say the load is there, the power's there. And also we have a lot of gas, excess gas out there that we could be capturing and converting to electricity where we could have better power quality for the operators. And then I'm not going to go down this rabbit hole, but Bitcoin mining is also going to bring a lot of infrastructure to the rural areas that there, it doesn't exist now. You know, they're Encore and ERCOT, they're not going to build it out unless there's a need there. You know, mm. they're not going to just throw up poles and wires for nothing. Mm. And I think that the combination of energy producers, Bitcoin miners, data centers, you know, all of the above is what's going to bring more infrastructure, more power, better quality power and improve our grade overall. Mm, yeah, no, most definitely. And so like, who is your typical customer? Like from a business, because you guys are obviously business to business. It's not like someone builds a resident like a house and they're like, right. Hey Petra, we need electricity to our house. Yeah, right. No. So could you explain a little bit about like what it is you guys offer kind of like sort of start to finish? Sure. So PIP is our customer is any energy producer that needs to power their facilities. They need poles and wires. It could be a manufacturer as well. I mean, we'll do the build out for ESPs. You know, there's anything that needs electrical, electrical engineering, hmm. Yeah, we're definitely not doing anything residential, but we have visited like huge like communities. So like Beaten Bow Homes, for example, that's not a customer of ours, but I'm just using that as an example. They might need a huge substation for that huge section of those cookie cutter homes. Gotcha. So that might be a situation where we would do something residential, but yeah, it wouldn't be like a house. That's for like, you know, a smaller electrician company of some sort. And then on the other side of the company, PumpCheck Power, their customers strictly operators or manufacturers that want to purchase power in the ERCOT market. Uh -huh. It has to be a deregulated area for us to sell power. 
But sometimes if they're in a co-op, then that's where PIP would come in because we can service anywhere in the world and we might need to connect them to a new PME or something or upgrade their lines, things like that. You've mentioned a few acronyms here. You said PME just now. What is that? You know, I don't know, but I know it's the meter for electricity to get power from that from the line to your facilities. Ah, okay. Yeah, so we the term is we'll drop a PME, and that just means that we're getting you access to power. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Yeah, because a lot of, I mean, a lot of the folks, including myself, like I'm a drilling operations guy, So, and I've studied a little bit on power markets you know, through school, but I don't think people understand how much energy and electricity requires to like run operations out in West Texas. So, I mean... Because I'm a drilling guy, I'm curious. So I know there's a lot of, say, electrification on the frack side, electrification on like the drilling side. Do you guys work with that? Or is it more like set up infrastructure and people will come to your company and say, hey, like we need access to electricity because we're setting up a, like a plant here or something like that? So both. Oh, okay. Yeah. Of course, it helps if they already have the existing infrastructure. Right. But... When it comes to e-drilling and e-fracking, we actually have a mobile unit that we can move with the rig. Oh. Yeah, it's been engineered. It's, we've done the studies and proved the concept to a major already. There's nobody else doing what we're doing. So this is one of the things that my boss didn't really want me to talk a whole lot about. But I can tell you that we have been able to power almost every single thing on a pad for post M operations. The only thing was, which is understandable, is the data trailer. They want that on a generator because if Encore were to go down and then, you know, power problems, they don't want to disconnect from power at any time. But otherwise, everything else, you know, wire lines, sand, centrifuge, pumps, everything mm. right off of that trailer. And the trailer connects to Highline Power. Okay. So they, it moves along, you know, wherever there's got to be access to electricity. But once we have access to that, we just hook up to that. Power runs through this trailer, and then we have independent disconnects for all of the vendors, so they don't have to have ever access our trailer. They have their own locked-out, tag-out box, yeah. breaker, to be exact. Yeah. So if they do need to maintenance their equipment, they don't have to shut down the entire operation. Wow, that's crazy. I think those types of, I mean, just that type of technology and what you guys are offering, obviously, is going to help advance our industry. And like, where do you see, for you in your sort of industry specific niche, what is the biggest challenge that you see right now? Is it, I mean, lack of work? Is it just, you don't maybe have enough people to support it? Because right now in oil and gas, especially on the drilling side, you know, just people, truck drivers, equipment is our biggest challenge. But what would you say is this for you guys? Is it all kind of the above too? Or Yeah. And there's been a lot of times where it's just crazy. Like I know I said earlier, there's not a door that beauty won't open, but sometimes There's just been a lot of people that are trying to do the same thing and haven't been very successful. And I think just proving concept is really hard, getting the opportunity to prove that to them that we figured it out. But you know how it goes, you know, one major does it and then they're all going to start doing it. And I think just getting that first shot has been really hard, but I, and I think things are really going and blowing now. And our next problem is just equipment. You know, lead times for transformers are out of this world for everybody else. Actually, we've gotten a pretty good hold on better lead times and manufacturers here recently. But I think early on and then knowing like what to order too. you know, this equipment, it just depends on like how much power they need. So we can't just build a generic unit. We really need to know exactly 
what it is they need and so we can build it out accordingly and that way we don't have to overbuild it and spend a bunch of money on something that could have been a lot smaller and a lot easier to put together. Yeah. I think just sharing the information and getting the word out about what it is we're doing has been the hardest part because I don't want to send it in an email. I don't want to just show all my cards. I want to have a conversation and show them a video. I put together a video of the actual project that we were able to prove concept to this major, but I don't want to send that to anybody because like I said, nobody else is doing what we're doing. Wow. Fascinating. So if anyone out there is interested, then you definitely need to reach out to Petra because please. Yeah. I mean, I'm interested. I'm not even really in, in that market, but it sounds like you guys are up to some really cool stuff. What is the one thing that you like about your job the most? And not necessarily like from a macro level, like providing you know, power to the world, but just on a day to day, what is it that you really enjoy about where you're at? I have just the best team. Like my coworkers are awesome. You know, and my, my immediate boss, his name is Chris Miller, super smart. He's been doing this all over the world for 15 years, sometimes in the most hostile environments. Wow. I mean, the stories that he's told me is, is a phenomenal. He had to like run away from Ebola once, you know, what? they weren't going to let him out of the country because it was like, there was an outbreak and he had to like get on a boat and sorry, Chris, I'm telling all your secrets, but I think <laughs> it's fascinating. I learn something every day and in, I love that no matter what, if I have a question, they're always there to help me. I was new to electricity almost two years ago when I joined the company. Mm. You know, I had worked in trucking and artificial lift and drilling. and I had done all these other things in oil and gas. But something that we tell each other a lot or we're aware of is electricity has been an afterthought for oil and gas for a long time. I mean, we do all the science when it comes to drill bits and sand and, wa- and chemicals and water and yeah. all the above. But when it comes to where are you going to get your power from, how are you going to get your power there, that's just like, oh, someone else will do with that. And a lot of companies don't have an electrical engineer as well. You know, right. it's like, oh, so-and-so deals with that and they'll just sign any power contract and then they get stuck in sometimes a, a difficult place. Mm. Power is our top concern, and we don't say that lightly. You know, a lot of electrical companies get rich off of misinformation. Mm. So it gets me excited, and what I love the most about my job is that I'm constantly sharing the message and educating others, but at the same time, I'm learning a lot as well. And I think understanding power goes beyond my job and what I'm selling, because even at my house, I don't know if you've noticed, but our electric bills are a lot higher lately. Mm. I don't even, I don't even use the heat or AC much summer or winter. I just, my house just kind of is really moderate, but lately it's just been outrageous, but I understood it better than I would have a couple of years ago because I know what's going on in, on the ERCOT trading market, trading okay. desk ah. when it comes to um, price per kilowatt, you know, I, and I was able to negotiate my electrical contract with my TXU because I get it. There's no more than Mm. I should. So I feel like I have an edge on life because the people that I work with are so eclectic and diverse and bring something to the table. So I wish that there was something else other than, you know, because there's great people everywhere, you know, but I think the best part about my job is my coworkers. Yeah, no, that's fast. I mean, again, it's, a lot of people will go to work for companies and they're stuck there because of whether it's 
they have a sort of a commitment, a level of commitment because of the compensation. But if you can have an emotional commitment as well, loving the people you work with while also making good income, I mean, that's the bread and butter, right? That's the holy grails if you can work for companies like that, who ultimately it sounds like they take care of you. You obviously provide a tremendous amount of value. It's a win-win for everybody and everyone wins, right? So that's really, really cool. But so I'm curious, you mentioned you know, you kind of have a better understanding of why your electricity bill might be high. You know, for the listeners out there, give them a little bit of educating. You don't have to dive deep, but... So this is like the pump check power side of my company. So I'm not like, sorry, Waylon, if I mess this up a little bit, but Mackenzie, this girl at our company told me this, you know, the price of gas is what's going to contribute to the price of electricity. So Mm -hmm. with oil and gas being high right now, that's why you're going to see an increased pricing on your electrical bills. Yeah. If you're, this is a message out there to anybody, if you're considering renegotiating your rates, now's the time. Or if you're locked in at a cheap one, try to keep that cheap rate and don't let them raise it on you and pay attention because I'm in the mistake of, I'm so go, 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 go. I didn't realize my contract was up for renewal and I wasn't able to lock in like this nine, eight cents that (laughs) it was last year. And now it's like 11 and a half. It's like, am I in a co-op right now? Or no shade to co-ops, but they are very expensive. Right. And that's one thing that we have to battle too. I forgot to mention that if you're in a regulated market, if you're in a co-op, using Highline power isn't always going to be the most economic choice. You might be better off using diesel generators for operations. Interesting. That's a good nugget. Yeah, but... There's also the ESG component. You know, those generators use a lot of diesel, hauling it out there, hauling the fuel out there, the emissions. So if it's not going to save you a ton of money, but it can also, you might be able to get a lot of carbon credits of some sort if you're cutting back on your emissions. And that's one way to cut emissions. But ultimately, you want both. You want to save money and cut emissions as well. Of course. Well, it sounds like you guys have a lot of good, talented folks over there who are very educated on this topic, obviously, including yourself. And so anyone out there that's interested in whether you operate or work out in West Texas or, I mean, you guys pretty much throughout, like, where's your main territories or is it throughout the entire U.S. or? For PIP, we can go anywhere. Pump check power has to be in Texas on the ERCOT market. That's the only place that we can sell electricity. Gotcha. Okay. But our headquarters are in Spicewood, Texas, which is outside of Austin. And then we have a yard and an office in Midland. I'm there. I'm the boots on the ground. They're little boots. <laughs> little boots on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> little boots, but they make a big impact. Yeah, I got Todd and Steve. They're those guys. Todd's from Houston. He drives out there once in a while. And then Steve's from Denver City. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's Plains area. Yeah. That, that area. But cool. I love it. You know, just great team, great people. Awesome. It's good. That's great to hear. You know, you mentioned the people aspect and that's a company's biggest asset. So take care of your people. All right. So a couple personal questions before we go, not too personal, but more on the personal side. What's something about yourself that not many people know about? Do you have any kind of like any hidden hobbies that you do i mean you seem like a pretty open book and you're transparent but is there anything kind of unique that not a lot of people know about you man not really i'm gonna be an actress one day okay so you're an aspiring actress yeah and i just i'm so obsessed with what i do right now that i know (laughs) acting will be there you know whenever so yeah and of course i want to go to the moon right yeah that was a good one i was everyone knows i used to be on dance team and i played trumpet Ah, back in the day okay do you still play trumpet 
No. No? I wish. That'd be fun if I still had my trumpet. You should, I, you, if you rolled up to a location, like always have a trumpet in, in your truck or your wherever you're driving. Like that'd be so awesome. You come out and, oh, I hear Petra coming. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Well, my brother played trumpet <laughs> And so I got passed on his trumpet. Ah. And then when I graduated from high school, you know, he took it back. And now his son, now his son uses it. So maybe when he's done, his son graduates from high school, maybe I'll get it back and I'll yeah. freshen up. And the family trumpet. I like ah, that. It's pretty cool. It's a nice one. I'm trying to think, you know, there's, like you said, I'm an open book. Yeah, you know, well, and you, I just. You gave, I mean, you gave like three or four, so you don't have to keep digging. I don't want you to have like, it's not like a trivia question. I just, I just think like some of those things are pretty the trumpet one is no one knew. I don't really talk a whole lot about that. Because you want to be an actress. I think we need to stay on that topic. <laughs> so again, if anyone can either get Petra to Los Angeles for an acting gig or can get her to outer space, that would absolutely make her day. Yeah, it would. Okay. I was just in Los Angeles not too long ago, and that's a big city. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was pretty cool. If I and, could stay in Texas and be an actress, that'd be even better. I mean, are there opportunities here to act? I mean, sure. I mean, they film No Country for Old Men out there in West Texas. You know, there are okay. opportunities. You just have to go other places to get those opportunities. Right. I know, actually know of a gentleman that owns one of the biggest ranches here in Texas, and he filmed a movie on his ranch, and it's actually winning an incredible amount of awards in all those independent film festivals. Whoa. So the opportunities are there. I'm just not ready for that. Like, that's on hold. Okay. Because, I, like I said, I know, like, Denzel Washington didn't make it till he was, like, in his late 40s. Really? Yeah. There's hope. Oh, yeah, I'm I kind of sure. want to be. You know what? I've wanted to do stand-up comedy. And not because I think I'm funny, but more <laughs> so to put myself in an extremely uncomfortable situation. I think I can you know, think quick on my feet. And I just think it'd be hilarious. Acting would be fun too. With that said, who knows? Maybe we'll be on the grand stage one day. I used to want to be president. You should still want to be president. Oh, man, I don't know. That job just, I feel I'll like, leave that to the people. I feel like that... Sarah Stogner would be like, <laughs> like she would just hammer down everybody. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's why sometimes my handles say President Petra. Oh, uh, like my, my Instagram that. and my Twitter because don't lose hope. You know, vote for Petra. I'll go act like a president. I'll go be in a movie and like head of state. You hit two birds with one stone. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I can I like still that. do the dream and sit in the Oval <laughs> Office and take a picture. And I'm president. I was president of my scholarship when I was in college, and so I, I got that out of the way. Right. You're not necessarily president of the United States. Just president right. of anything. Anything. Yeah. Right. No, that's that'd be a cool opportunity. Petra, this has been an absolute pleasure. I enjoyed the conversation. And so if anyone's looking to reach out to you or to just really get to know more about the company, what's the best way? Where are you most active? I mean, you can email me or you can, I have an Instagram. It's called Petra Like Petroleum. Mm -hmm. Follow me and I have my inbox is open. I love getting messages. People ask me all the time, you know, what is it that you do? You know, even though it's splattered all over my Instagram, I still have to tell people what it is that I do. And yeah. I don't mind at all. Cool. And then LinkedIn, you know, Petra R, is, I believe, or Petra Reyes is on there. Mm -hmm. So yeah, just anytime anyone can reach out, I'm happy to have a conversation. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for the conversation today. And for thank all you. the listeners, yeah, all the listeners, reach out to Petra. And at the very least, connect with her on LinkedIn, follow her. She puts out some great content. And yeah, just great. For those who aren't familiar with the power space, there's lots to learn. Petra is the lady to help you navigate the waters. And for the listeners, always remember when the density's up and the gas is down, open the choke. Let's go to town. Thanks, everybody. 
Thanks again for listening. Tune in next week for another episode of Oil & Gas Onshore, a production of Oil & Gas Global Network. For more information, visit OGGN.com.